Welcome to another Esteli recorded episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. Our last episode, which we haven't put out at the time of this recording, we're kind of going back and forth in time here, uh, was also recorded in Esteli. This time we are recording from Taboliza 2, which uh, Eric Calvino, who is also here, and I are visiting for the first time. We are with Fidel Valdez Rodriguez, the COO, yep. Chief Operating Officer. Of Taboliza. Oh, of Oliva Cigar. Of Oliva Cigar. 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 Uh, so thank you for having us. In thank you for being with us. This beautiful setting. Yeah. That Terrace. Yeah. Overlooking Atelier. Pretty cool. Is this maybe the best view of any cigar office right now? I mean, like in, the best in Atelier? Semi-urban view. Because there's some, yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. with like nice mountainside views. But this gets like a lot of uh, city in the mix too. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um so, again, thank you. We are uh, in Esteli to visit the newly expanded uh, Taboliza factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get into some of your background, but just sort of to start there, tell us about what changed, for, and especially for the person who has never visited the factory. What was it before, and what is it now? What's different? Well, what's different is um, um, in there are two areas where I think uh, the main changes uh, happen. Uh, the first one, and more important, is the habit and culture of uh, working together working together uh, as a team, you know. I think uh, before um, we received the, the task to make the transformation of uh, Oliva Cigar Factory, um, the team really was not working, you know, uh, as a team. Uh, then the process control, I said, it was more empiric than based on fat. Then in order to make that transformation, we had to go through a very uh, intensive training and implementation of technology like uh, SIP by design, which we manage all the areas, uh, finance, production, uh, quality control from uh, this very uh, sophisticated uh, ERP system. Then we have to go through a uh, training of all the employees how to uh, work together because now they all the area will be related and each process depends to the next one and the one before in order to operate uh, correctly. Then cleaning. Unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, the cleaning habit was no uh, uh, the day-by-day objective of uh, uh, management in general. Uh, we have been really improved uh, significantly the the cleaning of uh, every step in the process as well as the facility. And the second big change was uh, in regard to all the infrastructure. You know, we developed uh, infrastructure that allow today to uh, have capacity to packaging 150,000 cigars a day. Also apply new technologies into the tobacco process. Uh, as a sample of some of those technologies, we develop with a Swift Sensor uh, company, a, a US-based uh, R&D company, a sensor for the tobacco industry that allow to monitoring um, temperature, humidity, and um, at the same time uh, establish parameters 
when those uh, the level of the, those parameters go over the threshold, um, it send a message, it send a test, and it even make phone calls to supervisor in order that uh, they uh, take action, you know, yeah. uh, over the fermentation process. And when we did the tour earlier, you mentioned that you had to make some adjustments so you weren't getting those phone calls at 2 in the morning. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then during the testing process, during the development, uh, all the managers that uh, was a part of the uh, testing process received call 2 in the morning <laughs> at all time with messages, you know, indicating what they had to do. Then uh, I think uh, the system today, you know, after the final development working extremely well, you know, then at the same time, we also implemented a humidification system in all the area according to the expert needs. Uh, it's one of the systems that produce the, uh, the, the best, you know, uh, humidity output with five microns uh, of uh, water mean uh, it avoid any type of uh, dripping or uh, raining within the areas, avoiding the damage of, of the leaf mm -hmm. in those uh, areas. Yeah, because Plus, people, people yeah. sorry to interrupt, but people don't know, uh, our listeners, readers, don't know that when water drops fall on tobacco leaves, they, they damage the aesthetics of the leaf and they damage, uh, right, they damage the leaf. Yeah, it damaged because basically what you're looking in the in the case of the grapper is a uniform color, you know, exactly. across the leaf. Yeah. And that's what it's a beautiful cigar is uh, yeah. about. Then water create uh, discoloration, you know, on the leaf, making that leaf uh, not useful for grapper, you know. And, uh, of course, the cost of the grapper is not the same as a, as a binder or a filler. Then uh, it's very important for the cost point of view that we try to protect uh, the, the leaf during the whole fermentation process. Um, this system uh, brings uh, a lot of uh, information that management can make decisions to minimize, you know, those type of damage that is, uh, until now was part of normal process of the, yeah. of the leaf, you know. So, I mean, in, there's so much there yes. it was a physical expansion and also an evolution technologically both in cultural, yeah. yeah cultural and and that technolo the technology is infrastructure and also some of the directly tobacco things i think that's a good place to talk about your background because a lot of people will hear that and think what sort of person <laughs> manages that process yes. that touches so many things well i born in cuba uh, I graduated as a telecommunication and electronic engineer. Then I moved, uh, I escaped from Cuba in 1996. I like the distinction between moving and escaping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. it has to be said. Moving is you get visa and you can go. Escape is really, I escape. I manage uh, all the uh, technical, all the aeronautic service for 18 airports in Cuba. We had 250 technicians. Then uh, I was considered as a very important person. But uh, I made decision for uh, thinking different. I really had no much economical issue because my father was from Spain. Then 
I economically I was I living fine in Cuba, mm. but I don't want uh, really. All my motivation was political. Yeah. You know, I want a different life. I want. A, I, I want. Uh, uh, I don't want that uh, future for my daughter. Then, mm. uh, then me and my wife made the decision to leave Cuba. Then in 1999, I was 20, 1999, I arrived to Cuba. I escaped from Cuba through Venezuela, then to uh, U.S. Uh, um, that process is long, but it's not part of the... I just want really to express more my background. Mm-hmm. Then I started to work in McDonald's, you know, as soon as I arrived to U.S., Wow. Uh, I say one day without work is one dollar that I don't have in my pocket. Then the second day in the contract, I started to work in McDonald's at the Albany, uh, New York airport. Then after I started to work in a cable company, uh, programming the cables. Then a big company that is in the transportation sector, the manufacturing equipment for railroad, uh, open operations in New York. And they give me the opportunity to start as a technician, you know. Then I do all the startup tests for all the Washington DC Metro, for part of New York City Metro, uh, then after Boston, uh, almost every single car that is running uh, in US, you know. Wow, yeah. Yes, we have over, at that moment, over 70,000 equipment running in, uh, in US. Then in uh, the second year, I was director of engineering. And in three years, I was already managing all the operation for North America as part of the CEPSA uh, North America. Wow. I did my master in uh, business administration at the University of New York with a program between University of Albany and the Chamber of Commerce of Saratoga. Um, then I did my master. Um, after that, I just uh, went to Miami. The company was sold. Then I decided to move the company to Miami, my family to Miami, excuse me. And uh, one day I received a phone call from Paul Alcazar. I don't know how my resume, because I really was not looking at that moment for, for any position. Uh, give me that he was interested in a position and, and he explained. Then I just sit with him, and at that moment, um, the CEO, Jose Oliva, uh, um, after a long conversation, they decide, they are getting in love with all the problems they have, you know. <laughs> with all their problems. At the end operation, we deal with problems, and that's what I like. It. Yeah. Uh, that's a then, funny way to put it. Yes. I fall in love with their problems. Yes. And I take the challenge, you know. Then Jose have a clear vision, you know, where he want to move the company, okay, and uh, what really will be the target for the future and where he's really see. I read that from that interview, and it's everything that I start to implement from that point. That, unfortunately, uh, during the transition to the Jota Cortez and the Van de Belier uh, family. Um, the, the culture was the same. The, I mean, the, the corporate culture, the company culture was the same. Mm-hmm. The family culture was the same, you know. Being was, we continued, you know, with the whole process uh, with, uh, with Fred, you know. 
uh, as the first day that we start to, to planning, you know, the whole process of expansion and transformation of Oliva Cigar Company. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it's not the first time that we've heard a story along those lines, but I think it's another interesting case of somebody who has uh, very technical organizations, things that are often lacking in cigar companies. Yeah. That sort of engineer's mindset. Uh, you know, another one that comes to mind, and actually also with overlap in, in automotive, is uh, Francisco Batista. Um, so another example of somebody, you know, who is sort of made that transition. How was that transition for you? Are there things that, I have to think that the company culture, speaking of, is very different in cigars than it was where you came from before. Uh, it was a big change, but you know, you came well educated and I say, ah, I can do this so easy, you know. And trust me, uh, one of my bill of material in the transportation system has could have 25,000, 55,000 components, you know. And the tobacco have five, six, seven, uh, the cigar itself have five components. And that's if you consider each type of tobacco. Yes, if I yeah, tobacco. In a way it's then one after <laughs> you have the box, the rings, you know, yeah. until it could be like 11, 12 uh, components. Sure. You know, piece of cake. No. I build a robot with the best camera of the world that will be able to select, identify the color. That was my first uh, uh, work, you know. Uh, to, because it was an issue, uh, still an issue in the industry, how you can correctly select the different colors that you have uh, on the grapper, you know, in this case, uh, make that process fully automatic. I failed uh, day and night, you know, with the robot, and that was the best camera that was in the market for quality inspection, etc. And from that moment, I learned the complexity, you know, of the process of fermenting leaf in the tobacco field. Until today, none of the engineers that work with me that manufacturing the best, those best cameras in the world for those type of quality inspection, production line. Yeah, like, have like been you're talking a, about yeah. like an optical sorter. Yeah, that, an optical sorting of the like of they the do leaf. In, Like they do in wine. Yes. They use it in, in yes. wine there no, all do, the time. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. In cigars, with, no? With cigar uh, leaf. Uh, it, it failed to properly identify the color. And if you amplify a picture of a leaf, you will, you will see why, you know. Uh, it's basically because the composition of different pixels and color that the leaf has is tremendous. Then uh, it light to the camera and the... It's not the camera, really. It's the, the, the processing mm-hmm. routine be, behind the camera which have not been able to develop yet in order to detect uh, those type of uh, patterns, you know, yeah. that is present in the leaf. Then, it's, uh, that's what makes this industry, you know, uh, really a challenge. Why made each cigar unique to the other one? Yeah. Because it's, you always try to match as much as possible, you know, the cigar, but it's, it's one of the main challenges that any manufacturing have. Uh, with the cigar leaf, you know. And again, just to, to clarify, because I think maybe people don't know 100% what you're talking about. We're talking about in a box of cigars. Yes. We want all of the cigars in the box to be of the same color. Yes. Uh, as close as possible. Yes. Not only then, uh, that's one part of it, right? The other part would be when you're selecting wrapper, maybe. Correct. Where you also look into 
that optical sorter was also for that too. So when you're selecting wrapper leaf, you sort that wrapper by texture, color, mm-hmm. uh, and size, obviously. So so that was also an absolute failure, right? Yes. So those were the those were the the sorting that he was talking about. I just wanted to clarify because I think for us, since since we see this all the time, when you say optical sorting, yeah, we we know what you're talking about. But maybe a consumer out there doesn't really understand. Yeah, before a box is put together, all the cigars in that box are color sorted so that they look the same. Right. Because it's a natural product. And and even though the wrapper can be called a Colorado wrapper, it can have, mm. you know, different shades of, yes. of that Colorado. So. Yes, then at that moment, I just uh, break my skill as a consultant. I think I hear I, I have more than uh, try to add first. I think I need to sit with first with the uh, with the guy that have been in in the field, you know, for uh, uh, processing tobacco, and try really to understand, you know, the whole process uh, behind the tobacco before I will be able to apply any of my previous knowledge or, or technology into the tobacco field and the cigar manufacturing. Then it take me at least a year, you know before uh, we was able to start understanding, you know, the whole process. Then we start to have the know-how to start codifying all those different types of tobacco, colors, size, you know, and create uh, a code to each individual uh, material that allows now to have uh, a quality control for the blend of each of the cigars, which until now was the in the book of the cigar master, but in the new transformation of the company, we want all that knowledge reflected, you know, within the company and not within one particular person within the company. And for that, I really had to learn, you know, the 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 life of the tobacco leaf because at the end, it's a product is life. Yeah. It, get humidity, it loses humidity, it change color, you know. Yeah. And, uh, it grows you, incredibly it grows, fast from, it, a, from a it tiny grow seed. Incredible fast, and it can go wrong incredible fast too. Yes. You know, then it's a it's a day by day of all the things that is behind, you know, the the product to be sure that uh, we have the quality of the cigar and the and the best quality leaf, you know, available for for production. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that process of getting to know the life of the cigar. How much of that did you already know? Maybe from I don't know if you were smoking cigars much before. Uh, did you Did you smoke cigars before? Uh, no, not, not at all. all. Uh, okay, so there was no prior knowledge. Yeah. No, no knowledge about anything related to cigars. Today, I should not say it because my. Uh, your doctor, your wife? My <laughs> wife, which is a doctor, you know, yes, it's a, yes. at this point, it's a, still a secret for her. <laughs> but at least I take one or two a week. <laughs> yes. And I start to get in love with uh, with cigars, you know. Uh, I, I understand when you have a good cigar, a good cigar that is uh, smokable, that is, uh, uh, that you can enjoy smoke when... It's not that pleasant cigar to smoke, or even because it's too tight, right. or because it's too soft, and that's the difference. The different consumer like it, you know, like 
anything else different. Some like better a little bit soft, some like better a little bit tight. Then you have to arrive to a quality compromise, you know, with the cigar to satisfy, you know, both sides of, uh, of the consumer uh, base. Then it takes uh, some time also to, to arrive to the point that I get a cigar and I know with the quality of the cigar, you know, uh, was, um, was at the level that we was expecting. Besides, the, you know, all the technology that have been implemented, like a very precise scale, because the draw machine is good, but better than the draw machine, from our point of view, is the um, scale. We provide scale with a, a high level of uh, precision, which by weight the cigar, we are able to determine really if the condition of the cigar is, uh, is, is proper, you know, for the, for the consumer. So we satisfied with the consumer. We've seen uh, another factory that does that, uh, and they have a, a scale next to every buncher. Yes. Uh, is that the same thing that yes. you've done? So yes. you've put a precision scale right we next to every buncher. We have precision scale yeah. for, actually, we have the, the quality inspectors, okay, that uh, they are the ones that have the, the scales. Because you cannot have the the producer cannot check himself. Of course, you know, of course. The, or quality, we have the quality control. Before they call revisadores. But in the process of transformation, I think we are applying ISO 9001 standards across the whole organization. Uh, we are currently in the process, you know, of full control of processing, uh, established procedures, uh, documentation control, product control uh, as part of the quality department. And also part of that was uh, really create quality technicians which function is independently of the production process, uh, have the authority to inspect and reject cigar that based on the parameters established do not comply with the standard to our customers. But that's part also the transformation of culture, you know, of quality culture within the company. Not because uh, before the quality was not present. It's just because now we are collecting data that allows to analyze it and also look for what additional uh, step we can take it mm -hmm. to improve even far the, the quality of the product. Hey, this is Nick interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, Viva La Vida. Brothers Billy and Gus Fakie, former owners of the Cigar in retail shops in New York City, have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company, Artesano del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva La Vida, is a Nicaraguan puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva La Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5x54 Torpedo, a 6x54 Toro, a 6x60 Gran Toro, a 5x54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas, which is a beautifully made Perfecto that's 6.5x52. Prices range from $10.50 for the Robusto up to $14.50 for that limited edition Diademas Finas. The cigars are not only made by A.J. Fernandez, but also distributed by A.J. Fernandez. 
Viva La Vida cigars are only available in brick and mortar cigar shops, so ask your local retailer for Viva La Vida or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram pages at Artesano del Tobacco. That's tobacco in English, Artesano del T-O-B-A-C-C-O. Now back to the interview. So a, a lot of people may not, especially if they haven't toured cigar factories, may not be aware of some of the details and some of the, uh, I don't know, the nuances, for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah, I think that's the right way to say it. Of what some of these processes typically like look like, because it, it is very unusual the way that you're doing things now. Mm-hmm. At uh, Unusual in comparison to other cigars. To companies. the rest of, yeah, yeah to yeah, the rest yeah. of handmade cigars. Um, so let's home in on, on particularly how temperature and humidity are measured in the pilones during the fermentation period. Talk a bit first about what that process looked like before, when you were going through how things were being done, uh, which again, not to knock the oliva of... No, oh, not this at all. Is, it was basically yeah. the industry standard, and still is. Yeah. What did that look like? Yes. Well, mainly, what all the change we bring is the capability to manage to make decisions. You know? And I will explain you how. Okay. Uh, first of all, I think by implemented all the ERP system that we have, today we are able to have all the cycle of the production, you know, in one system, mean inventory, uh, uh, production planning, quality control, sales, and all tied together. So before, uh, that process was made by hand, and paper. Then first, they need few weeks, you know, if no month, to go counting and revise what type of uh, you know inventory they have, in order that they know how, how much cigar they, they can produce. You know, today that takes us minutes to make those type of decisions. You know, also, um, what type of tobacco I have in the warehouse, okay? that allow me to produce X uh, type of cigar. Before, they, you have, they have Habano, Sumatra, uh, Connecticut, um, all the basic codes, you know. That's how the leaf was classified. Then, uh, with the new system, we codified, you know, uh, over... 500 different type of code to classify all the leaf, then we know exactly what kind of uh, cigars we can produce it with the, with the leaf that we have on hand, and also that decision are made in minutes. You know. No days, no hours. You know. with the, the data we have, the reliability of the data, allows to make quick decisions. When and a customer... Accurate, yeah. uh, and accurate. And I, of course, an accurate, you know, which is very important. Um, why? Because uh, uh, you can say, ah, I can produce X amount of uh, Melanion uh, or, or Serie B because I have a hundred pounds of Habano, Ecuador. And it's not. Practically, when we went, no, because the color that w- the leaf uh, required for Habano, uh, or in the case of Melania Sumatra, uh, only yield from field uh, 50-45%. If you're thinking that you can produce 
X amount of uh, cigar with uh, hundreds hundreds of thousands of pounds. The reality you don't have hundreds of thousands of pounds to manufacture in that particular uh, line of product. You only have uh, between the color uh, yield and also the uh, other yields in regard to size, in regard to uh, uh, waste in uh, weight by hum- humidity by the fermentation process, you end up having from those hundred only 30,000 pounds available for uh, to produce a cigar. Then you can enter a significant shortage to the consumer in the market. Today, we are able to have a very accurate, you know, what inventory, what product we can produce, how many products we can produce with that inventory. But not only that, advice with significant amount of time ahead, you know, yeah. Two or purchase in the department that uh, you will have a shortage, you don't make action by X uh, day in regard to leave. Then, when the process starts, we have a huge backlog order of almost a four million uh, cigars uh, with different consumers. By March, two years after, which was the plan, we had zero back order in the system, meaning we are make a commitment with retailers, with the end consumer, with distributor, that every uh, purchase order that they place with Oliva, they are receiving according to our uh, agreement. Then as of today, Oliva have zero back order in the in our uh, um, pipeline. Okay. Yeah. Then the other difference is also uh, in the quality of the environment where the employee work. Uh, and it's not that previous, it was no well care. It's just that we bring to a different level, uh, which is completely different to the rest of the factories that you can produce. We take in account from the color of the seat, the color of the table, what kind of uh, uniform we go, what color, the lighting in, in the environment. We today change every six minutes the air in the factory before. Uh, most of the people that visit, or you can visit other factories, some like the level of ammonia in the production area uh, are right to the point that be uncomfortable. With everything that we create, uh, we reduce those level to acceptable and comfortable level to the point that when an employee tried to go to another factory, they miss it every that they have before, and they re- they come back. They always will be welcome back, but at the end, uh, we cannot ask an employee not to try a different uh, destiny by trying to go to another uh, competitor or a friend that you know within the uh, tobacco industry. They should try. Uh, I'm sure today, uh, everything we take, uh, we did for them. There are no other factories that have the condition we have created for the employee. You know, in regard to improve, you know, uh, beyond everything, every standard that is in the industry right now, the condition for the employee. Also, the the areas that we create for them for resting, mm-hmm. the clinic, um, the, the bathrooms. The dining room. The as well. dining rooms, yeah. you know. Uh, 
I think uh, we made a difference. You know, and that was an, another change compared to before. No, they definitely, you can see them. They feel good. They f they're proud of, of wearing yes. the Oliva shirt. Uh, yes. And when they walk around uh, and talk to their friends, they're, they're proud about, about Oliva. They, not, that, not that they weren't before, right? But, uh, but I just see a different level of, uh, like you said, it, you've taken it to another level. Yes. You have to consider that um, the toilet and every other environment that we create in the factory, they don't have a home. The conditions sometimes on most of our employees at home are yeah. significantly diminished compared with the environment that we create for them right now. They take a picture in the factory. They post it. In. You can review the Facebook here in Esteli for all of their group, Instagram. And they multiply, you know, we, we see the trend and the tendency of our employees uh, on the social media. And, and it's incredible, you know, all the comments that they made there, you know, how happy they are, you know, working uh, in the company. Uh, all money try to help them, you know, the best they can, you know, when they are a problem or a family issue, you know. Yeah. We also, as other uh, company, uh, have a program for kid education that is also the Oliva uh, School, which uh, provide a first class of education to the Oliva kid. Plus, we support the entire school of, of almost 2,000 kids. Um, we got to make also the same transformation that we did uh, for Oliva Factory into that school because we believe that uh, if we want to make a big change in the community, I think um, many people repeat it, uh, have to start with education, yeah. but we don't want to only repeat it. We want to secure it and really practice it, you know, those... Uh, Um, or social responsibility with our employees. You know. um, then there are plenty from energy independency. You know. We went through a design a system that will be completely independent from uh, the energy or the, the utility. I mean, the company should be able to operate. And right now, all the Oliva factory are completely able to operate Uh, on the any circumstance uh, uh, of uh, energy, energy shortage, etc. You know, and soon we are installed solar panels in all the facility, which now we got to completely be energy uh, self-efficient in the for all factories. But from five time of filtration system for the water, you know, because the. The filtration system in Nicaragua in, or in, in Esteli is uh, poor. Then we use a lot of water in the process of uh, have uh, humidity, you know. The fermentation process use uh, water. The cigar rolling use uh, water. Yeah. And we have to be sure that that water is, uh, is uh, in good uh, condition uh, in order that we can use it in something that we got to smoke later on. Then we pass the water five different filtration systems uh, that guarantee that the quality of the water that we are using in the product, you know, is uh, to the standard of the first world, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've touched a little bit on 
how unusual this is for the handmade cigar industry. Talk about, did you encounter much resistance or, I don't know, criticism or whatever, whether from inside the company or outside? I have to think that a lot of people might have heard things like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and they must have thought, that is insane. That's a crazy thing to do. What, what would you say to people who are curious about that aspect of it, of like how feasible is this, especially in an industry that is so used to everything being by hand? What do you mean a, what do you mean a Wi-Fi thermometer? What are you, nuts? <laughs> what, what, how, how do you, you know, respond to, to that sort of, of person? I think uh, that was a great question. Uh, I found a lot of resistance for every angle. First of all, because they can, uh, the employee can, well, internal and external resistance, yeah. both. But what makes the process easy is that I never found a resistance, neither from the Oliva family, nor from Van de Belier family, you know, uh, during the whole process. Quite completely the opposite. Was a full support during the whole implementation. Then I understood that the rest was education, uh, education, and more education. Uh, but not because I say it, I had to prove it to them. You know, sometimes they can and explain me. No, I think that the thermometer is fine because uh, if the wireless uh, drop, then we have to explain. You know how the technology works, how reliable the technology. What can kind of benefit for him as a manager with the new technology we bring, you know, that we never gonna stop to using the thermometer, but the thermometer will be the the second uh, hand process just in case something fails, you know, mm-hmm. that now he can use that person, that now he has to lose if of all day through the all the pylone just taking temperature, now he have one more guy that he can put to do. Uh, any other tasks in the process that really add value added, you know, to, to the process uh, of uh, fermenting. Now he has an additional resource that is available for doing, you know, uh, other activities within the uh, within the process. You know, then was exactly the same. The same with the system. They saying that the cell was uh, a better tool that using SIP that process yet. We are not a hundred percent to the level that we want, but neither in US I was able to get into here, you know, the company to be able to understand and operate the, the system, you know, properly in two years because it's a, it's a complex system. We require a lot of discipline, you know. But I think we are have been easing steadily, believe it or not, than uh, previous my previous experience uh, yeah. uh, in US, you know. Then. Uh, it was a lot of education, a lot of tolerance, because sometimes, you know, in that process, uh, because bad habits, uh, or just simple, because it's the way they know for over 20 years, you know, and 10 years, uh, they think it's the best, and not always have the level of education, you know, mm-hmm. that they have. But th- what make also easy is the, that Oliva, for me, have, one, it is not the best, at least equal to the best cigar thing um, manufacturing in the world because they put their heart in what they are doing. And uh, when you have passion to defend what you are doing with passion, it's because you care about the product, 
then it's just about educate, try to teach them that there are different ways to make things more efficient, yeah. even more easy for them uh, at the time to make decisions, minimize mistakes, you know, and planning better, you know, in order that they know always be in reaction. They pass to planning mode, which we're planning everything we have, we want to do from the operation point of view. Yeah. It took two years and a half, but I think today I would say that in that process of transformation, we are probably 90% uh, of uh, accomplish, accomplishment of the, of the initial goal. Now, we're talking about you know, uh, cultural changes and, and internal processes and all these things, but the other part that we just have not touched on is how beautiful the factory looks from the outside now. When you drive in front of it, it now matches the Oliva brand, right? Before, you know, you drove in front, you're like, oh, yeah, that's where they make Oliva. And it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty factory to look at. And I, not that, you know, maybe that doesn't matter, but, but it does. It also adds to it. It kind of uh, ties it all together. When you now stand in front of it, it, it looks beautiful, man. Congratulations on that, by the way. I mean, it's just beautiful. Thank you, thank you. I think that that decision even was a team effort. Uh, we did different renderings with the architects. And at one point, we make uh, a more modern, you know, architecture for, for the front. But at the end, Oliva is where it lives. It's a hundred of years of tradition from uh, Facundo, Melanio, Gilberto. Yep. Uh, all five brothers, Jose, Gilbert, Carlo, Gini. Then, even Fred. And at the end, I think we arrived all to the same conclusion that we want to maintain, you know, for year to gain what the product is about. That is uh, history, it's yeah. uh, quality. Then we ended selecting a more a Spanish traditional colonial, you know. Uh, type uh, to the uh, you know to the front of the building. Everything inside the building is same. From the beautiful VIP, which we go to hosting, you know, in the future or that, or that, customer, we want to awesome. remember the 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 Havana of the 1940, the 30, the 50, you know, with those uh, big uh, bar, you know, dark woods. Uh, that, that, that particular touch was also very unique. Because yes. I, I've never, uh, Nick and I go to a lot of cigar factories. I've never seen one that has a bar, a lounge bar area overlooking the rolling gallery. And that, whose idea was that? That was spectacular. That's just, it's the place that you want to sit in when you're there. You yes. Know? So a really beautiful, beautiful lounge. So I, I love that touch. No, I, I have part of that, you know, <laughs> Uh, merit you for can take that. credit for it, man. No you can credit. Take, no, no. Kidding, no. But the reality was a uh, thing effort because we review easy fifty times all the layout of the office you know, before we made decisions, and we wonder when visitors come into the factory, they be part of the process, and that's the idea when you are sitting there. Yep. You are in the production. Yep. We are not hiding you from the process. We are not hiding you from our employees. You are there enjoying, you know, how they are making it. You are seeing them, how they do it. They are nothing to hire because every design in the process that we have uh, is a state of the art. 
uh, we enjoy when customer visitor coming see the process see how we do it and you know uh, when they receive that experience the next time they enter to the retail store the first uh, image that we came to today to will yeah. be that factory where I sit there and I take a cold beer or, or a whiskey sitting with the employee working rolling the cigar then I know that this cigar was made with the you know with uh, from the heart yeah. with the standard of quality that I saw not that somebody is there or I read in a magazine I saw myself you know sitting there yeah. and I want to honor you know to that to that brand you know yeah. that's really uh, the thought behind that uh, uh, that VIP the location, room. the VIP of the The, the other location. one that, that really touched me too was the, the wall, the founder's wall, where uh, there's a big image of uh, Don Gilberto and, and, and Jose and all his uh, siblings and, and uh, Vandermeer as well, as well. And then there's the desk, the old desk of Gilberto Oliva Sr. Uh, I thought that was a beautiful touch for, for someone who's uh, known him since he was a kid. It was it was an emotional moment for me, so I thought that was beautifully done too. I think it was an emotional moment for everybody. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, what the most difficult part of the factory, out of all the challenge, was the biggest challenge, for different reasons. Why? Because we want to be sure the family, when I stand in front, you know, they see you know that something well done. You know that we want him present there but yeah. that we're not gonna be on a over you know over elaborated you know from the point of view of uh or design or nothing i think we will try to reflect it here better in the few pictures that probably yeah. he, he was allowed to people take it yeah. you know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Lee. that main shot was, yes, was, was a was shot you, that we exactly. took yeah well, from, to take it yeah um, uh, also, we do, we don't want to put nothing like in remember to Hiberto. No, yeah, no. We decide, and that was a decision of the last three hours in in the whole process, which I can and say I think the best we can do is uh, uh, reflect uh, really who is our founder, you know, the Oliva Cigar, uh, reflect and picture Fred. With Gilberto, uh, with uh, with uh, with Gini, with uh, Jose, with Gilbert, you know, and reflect also that transition yeah. that happened from one family to the next, you know, in image and make just a a, a recognition, to permanent recognition to Gilberto. Well, it and doesn't look like that something that happened very that fast. It looks very well thought out. Every time we all sit together, we leave because. Also, we don't want a, the look of a saint or something that you go there to pray. Or we don't want any of that be reflected in that corner. We want something that he's there, you know, yep. and his presence is there. And at least in the day by day stress, when you pass there, you remember, you know, and they more because I really have not too much time, you know, to exchange with Gilberto, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but they did. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And uh, also, it's something they want to have it. The employee want to have it there. It's just that the decision how make us a very difficult. It was a 
very difficult decision, which we take in the last three hours of the whole process. You know that I, I know that you did it very last minute because uh, MJ, who was about to take a group on a tour, mm -hmm. so MJ works at the fire. I mean, this is it's her job, and uh, and she's about to take a group on the tour, and she looks over and sees the desk, and the level of emotion that welled up inside her. She had to take a, a few minutes because she wasn't going to be able to do the tour. She was just all welled up with emotion. So, uh, and she said, "When did they do that? I didn't even see that, you know." So, so yeah, I mean, I I, I know that it must have come come together uh, in the end there, but it doesn't look like it, right? It looks like a very well thought out thing. So, uh, really well done, man. Hats off on on all of that stuff. Right? Really impressive. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's a good place to. To wind down, yeah. Um, I don't know if you, we normally allow people to to plug things. I don't know if you have things that you want to plug. If, if we want to do like uh, Oliva social media or anything like that, or tell, recommend that people go to a certain website or or maybe whatever. Uh, it may maybe be. what about like uh, are you guys going to open up tours uh -huh. beyond Puro Sabor? Will people be able to call in and and schedule a tour for themselves? And how should they do that when that does happen? Yes, we have planning to start doing tour, also uh, bring our main customer, even people that solicited, you know, uh, to uh, in the factory to the factory. Uh, they are welcome, but we want to start. Uh, it's something that we are still on planning, but definitely within the first quarter of uh, 2020, uh, we want to start touring or retailers or distributors in order that they can see exactly the product that they are selling. Yeah. We wanted to go into educational about our products, you know, during the three, four days that they go to join together here at Oliva facility, you know, in a beautiful house here in uh, in Esteli. And definitely something that uh, we got to start very soon. Unfortunately, we want to notify that Or tour for Puro Sebor are completely sold out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> MJ told me. It's one of the, that is completely sold. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of excitement uh, for but, everyone coming to Puro Sabor uh, wants to see the, yes, the transformation. Uh, but we got to make that uh, a permanent uh, showcase mm -hmm. for consumers and, and retailers yeah. very soon. You know. Nevertheless, our website, olivacigar.com, uh, it can be visited. Or Facebook in Facebook also, uh, um, where we coming doing and receiving, get really every day more customers and more follow up on the social media, which is handled by Ian Blanke, which is our marketing director. Uh, but um, you know, uh, for every customer of Oliva Cigar and consumer of Oliva Cigar. I, we can tell that we had the commitment to sustain, you know, two things that we have been promised for many years. The best quality and the best price for the highest cigar quality in the market. That has been a combination, a formula that worked for us and so far is uh, what we want to continue producing the best, and offer it to the consumer. The best cigar of the world at the best competitive price. Good stuff. So I'll transition shamelessly to our own shameless plugs. Uh, we are, you're listening to the Cigar Snob podcast. You can find past episodes of the podcast 
at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Uh, also, subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, all that stuff. You can also subscribe to the print magazine for $18 for the year. That's six issues for 18 uh, Just go to cigarsnobmag.com, click the shop tab, and you will find us there. Follow us on all the social media things at cigarsnobmag.com. And uh, send any feedback to feedback at cigarsnobmag.com. Also, uh, I'll note that um, I forget when this was published. This would have been obviously in 2017. But uh, in any case, we'll put a link on this episode's page to the tribute episode that we did for Gilberto Sr. Because there were some things that were referenced here that I think might be put in some good context. Like how he might have felt about a wall of pictures, you know. <laughs> I, unfortunately, uh, I met him very late in his life, uh, very, very briefly. Uh, but everything that I hear from people who knew him well tells me that he might have seen even one picture and said, that's too many pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think that'll be good, you know, if you haven't heard it yet, to to listen to it. It might sort of, I like, agree. make some things click in your mind. So, anyway, thank you, Fidel, for, uh, for joining us on thank the podcast. Thank you, you, as always, for thank you, man. the support and... Yeah, the interesting our products, and I'm glad that you know, if there's ever a good time to say thank you, Fidel, on the Cigar Snob podcast, <laughs> it's this. <laughs> you can hear boy that. <laughs>